0: Yep, still. There you go. So two guys are stranded on a desert island, and one guy's panicking, and he's running around crazy. And the other guy walks over there and sits on a beach under a shade tree and crosses his hands behind his back and crosses his ankles, and he's just chilling. The other guy inspects the whole island, comes back and says, there's nothing on the island to build a raft or shelter or food, and we're in trouble. And the guy said, I'm not worried about it. I make $10,000 a week. God let them like that. That has no bearing on the situation. So he plunders again to the rest of the island. He comes back and he's like, "Really, you need to help me look because there is nothing, and we got to figure out a way to get off of this." He was like, "I make ten thousand dollars a week." And The guy just shakes his head and he runs and goes around the island the third time and he comes back. He said, "And he said, I make ten thousand dollars a week." He said, "Please tell me how you making ten thousand dollars a week is going to help us in this situation." He said, "I make ten thousand dollars a week." and I tithe, my pastor is going to find me. (laughs) I don't know what you're doing to make 10K a week, but I like the idea anyway. All right, so Eddie was here last week and and had a very good message if you missed it. Shame on you, it was good, it was informative and some of the things that they're doing around the world. And it was kind of a, you know, God has... All this stuff worked out, and I'm just amazed at how it works together. But it was like a prequel to what i the sermon I'd... Let me get that back in English, sorry. In regular speed. So I always prepare, even if somebody's coming to speak, I prepare a sermon either way. Because if, you know, 10 o'clock rolls around and they had a flat tire, the car wouldn't start, or they overslept, and they live a couple hours away... Y'all going to look funny sitting here looking at nobody, and I don't think that's a good idea. So I prepared a sermon last week anyway, right? And it's it's this sermon, and then had the basis for it and most of the stuff laid out, and then Eddie came and basically gave a prequel to what I was getting ready to preach. which was pretty awesome, and I don't know how God continues to just do these amazing things to where it all comes together like that, but it's just, it is All striking, and it it really helps me, helps me when stuff like that happens. So, what we're going to talk about today is, here again, priming the pump, right? Priming the pump. And as God would have it, um, on Thursday we got a request, a rental house, and we were there trying to clean up. And Daddy and I spent a better part of an hour. Guess what we were doing? Priming the pump. Yes, and it's not easy to prime a pump. It takes water and, and electricity and all the stuff, right? And you can't have any air flow coming in. And, and long story short, with the priming the pump, we didn't ever really get the pump to work like it was supposed to. We finally gave up on priming the pump. But it was a good example to, for me to see and understand what it looks like priming the pump, right? So if you will, and it's going to take a minute to get it all back together, but y'all be fine. Um, turn with me to Psalms 1. And I know I have preached on Psalms 1. I have a nice thing in my office that has Psalms 1 on it. Psalms 1 is one of my favorite um, scriptures in the entire Bible. Psalms 1, 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, Whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do, they prosper. Now that's a pretty good promise of God, right there, right? That we we want to be these people, right? We want to be these people. And in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the closest you could get would be beside the flowing water. That's that's closest you could get, right? It, it's coming. Did, turn with me to um, 1 Kings, I need to open my book because I think it's 19, but I ain't 100% sure. 1 Kings 18, right? And so what happened in 1 Kings 18 is... uh, the, the prophets of Baal come against Elijah and we've had all this stuff happening and, and we've had uh, the contest of who's God is really God and then fire fell from heaven, right, and burn up the, the offering and, the, and the, the whole thing, everything. In, in verse 45, this is after all of this has happened, 1 Kings 18, 45, right, And it says, Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, and the wind rose, and a heavy rain started to fall. And Ahab rode to Jezreel, and the power of the Lord came on Elijah, and he tucked up his cloak into his belt, and he ran ahead of Ahab to the gates of Jezreel. Anybody want to know how far it is that he ran that day? Anybody got a guess? About 25 miles he outrun the horses and chariots for about 25 miles in a dress. He could have done it in brand new Nikes and some, um, some awesome stuff. And I think that's pretty amazing. But the key to this verse is, is that the, the Spirit of the Lord came on Elijah. And he tucked up his cloak. And he outran the horses 25 miles to the gates of Jezreel. See, the Spirit of the Lord didn't become in Elijah, because that transaction hadn't taken place yet. See, the Spirit of God can't be in an unclean, unholy place, right? The Holy of Holies was developed and washed and cleansed to where the Spirit of God could live inside of the building, inside of the Ark of the Covenant. But the Spirit of God could not live in Elijah, although he was a man of God. He had not been washed by the blood of Jesus, so he couldn't live in Elijah. Elijah. He could come own Elijah. See, there's a difference in Old Testament own and New Testament in. See, the same power, now I know y'all won't believe this, but the same power that came on Elijah that helped him run 25 miles and outrun the chariots and horses, right, lives in you. I understand if you took off running down the street right now, I don't think you would get to 25 miles before you thought that was a bad idea. M- maybe y'all would. 25 feet here to the back door. Uh, yeah, but it, the same spirit that came on Elijah lives in us, right? <clears throat> I, I still had not opened my book. I got to tighten up. All right, so um, 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 let's go to John. We can jump around a little bit. John chapter 7. Oh, if I can turn my Bible. John chapter 7, verse 37. John chapter 7, verse 37, and on the last day of the... On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood in a loud voice and said, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, that the rivers of living water will flow from within them. See, that guy in Psalms 1 was living beside them. Your neighbor has some water and you just get the benefits of being blessed because they have water. But here, the water flows from within them. <clears throat> now, uh, y'all, y'all, know, y'all know about where the Dead Sea is, right? right? Right in the middle of the Middle East out there in, the, in yeah, yeah, the Dead Sea. Do you know why it's dead? It has extremely high salt content. About 20 times more than normal seawater. is how high the, sea con- the salt content is in the Dead Sea. And its tributary, which is the Jordan River, dumps into the Dead Sea. Also, the Dead Sea is one of the lowest places on the earth, right? It is, in, in elevation. It is like lower and Death Valley is low, low. But do you know why the Dead Sea is dead? Because when the water flows in, all of the salt and contaminants and all of the stuff flow into the Dead Sea, and it stops, and nothing flows out of the Dead Sea. The only reason the Dead Sea doesn't just build up with water and run off is because of the evaporation. The evaporation moves the water out of the Dead Sea. So the Jordan dumps water in with all of the salt and the contents, and the water evaporates off and the salt stays, which is why it stays so salty. And they say you can like lay on top of the water in the Dead sea, and supposed to be good for your skin, but you can't stay there very long because it's bad for your long exposure, right? But do you know if you were to build a way for the dead sea to move, that if it had an opportunity to flow, all of a sudden the contaminants would be gone, the salt would be gone, the salt content would go way down. And even if it had enough flow, it would basically become fresh water, right? Because living Water flows. Living water is not stagnant. It does not sit still. It does not absorb contaminants. Living water flows. Think about it like this. Think about this nice pretty air-conditioned vents that we have that I know all of y'all love as I see you shiver. Praise God. It feels great in here today. How about if you cut off the vents and you stop the air flow? inside of the vent could be the coldest air ever but with no flow, there's no benefit. If you had a water pipe and you have the nozzle cut off and there's no flow, there's no benefit. right That's what the check valve in the back of the toilet does is. It lets it flow just long enough till it cuts it back off where it's not living water flowing throughout your house, but just enough to make it fresh again. See how that works? Well, see, the problem is, is as Christians, we're supposed to have this living water on the inside of us flowing out. And a lot of us is pretty salty, and we don't know why. That's the dad joke. Y'all knew it was coming, right? It had to we all awful salty because there ain't no flow. Because the flowing water, the living water is supposed to come out of us. Now how does it come out of us? Well, it probably should come out looking like fruit of the Spirit maybe. It should probably come out in some faith and some miracles and laying on the hands and speaking in tongues and in prophecy and, and spreading our testimony around the world, right? That's how it flows. It's not for your information only. You know, Y'all remember them like silly old movies to where you, the, the spy would get the letter and then this message is going to self-destruct in like 10 seconds or whatever after they opened it, it blew up, right? Some of us, that's how we treat the gospel. We see it. We understand what it says. We know what God's word means to us, but it self-destructs in 10 seconds and we can't tell anybody about it. Now some of y'all... Lillian, are not very good secret keepers. (laughs) Right? Lillian is flowing water. It flows. It flows. Some of y'all are real good secret keepers, probably too good. So good that you're keeping the secret that the flowing water stopped. The pipe is clogged. It's clogged up. The pump is not primed. Oh, that's a different problem. You know, there's a different problem between having a clogged pipe and a pump that's not primed. See, if you have a pump that's not primed, it's lacking. You might know what it's lacking. It's lacking the water. It needs water to pump water. You need God to flow God. You can't flow God out of the trash you watch on TV. You can't flow God if you don't study your Bible and if you don't renew your mind and if you don't fellowship with him and pray with him and have a personal relationship with him. There's nothing to flow. The pump is not primed. I don't care what kind of pump you have. If it's an oil pump or a a diesel pump or a gas pump or a water pump, it's got to have the fluid on the inside of it for it to be able to pump out. You have to have God on the inside of you for God to flow out. So there are two problems. One is, what do we need to do to prime the pump? And two is, can we unclog the pipes to where it can flow? Both are necessary. For you to be who you are in Christ, for you to live according to God's word, you need both. Both. You need a prime pump, and you need a flow. Now, you can have clear pipes and no prime pump, and there's no flow. You can look through it, be nice and clean. You can also have a prime pump trying to push water off and the pipe be closed or crimped or broke or smashed or cut off, and there's no flow. Those are two kinds of people that are not fulfilling what God wanted them to do. Either the pump isn't primed or the pipe is clogged. See, we're not like Elijah. I don't need something to happen for me to have God with me. Right? Elijah, if you if you hear the story of what had happened that day with Elijah, Elijah had done some pretty amazing things, right? He had built an altar and eventually they kill a whole bunch of prophets of Baal and they do all kinds of stuff, right? But basically he calls down fire from heaven and it laps up the water, burns the altar, burns the sacrifice. Pretty amazing event, right? But he did not have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of him, right? He wasn't affected by God's Holy Spirit until he said, hey, I got to outrun these horses and then God said, well, you, you need some help with that. We walk around with the power of God on the inside of us. The same power that outrun the horses, the same power that raised Lazarus from the dead, the same power that went into hell and raised Jesus from the dead. We walk around with it on the inside of us. So if you. Have a pump that's primed. That if you're born again and and the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you and you study God's Word and you start to develop your relationship with God and the pump is primed and you're not putting that into the world, you are the equivalent of the Dead Sea. You have what you need, you have what you really want. But if it doesn't flow, it does not accomplish what it was supposed to do. Can you imagine if the, I don't know, 80 authors of the 66 books of the Bible, if one of them would have received word from God? Let's pick Paul. I like Paul. Let's say Paul received all these words from God, this uh, revelation knowledge of grace and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all of the things that he gives us in the epistles that he wrote, right? All of those. How about if he would just like wrote them down in his memoirs and folded them up, and put it in his pocket, and, and that was it? Wouldn't have been very effective ministry, huh? And I know, I know, look, look, I'm not the preacher. I get it. I'm not the guy that's, that, this, that's your job. You're supposed to be flowing. we here receiving. Okay. But if I pour into and pour into and pour into and pour out into, and you don't pour out of, we write back to the Dead Sea. you still salty and useless. No life. But when it flows out of you, that, y'all know that parable that God provides seed for the sower? It's actually a scripture that God provides seed for the sower. How about if he provides flow for the flower? The more that you try to take God's word to places that they're not God's word, the more that you try to give the gift that you've been given, the more that you try to pour out what God has given to you, the more you have to flow. When Jesus was at the well and the lady came, right, he, he tells her all about her life, right, and he says, I have water you know nothing about. What, the water I have, you'll never be thirsty again. The water I have comes on the inside of you and flows out. I want that kind of water. Of course, that lady wanted that kind of water too, right? Because she didn't want to walk back to the well and tote water no more. We don't really get that example because none of y'all walked to the well lately to get a pot of water to tote it on your head back to town. Right? Y'all doing that? Y'all not doing that. As Jerry Clower would say, mama can do it in about six rooms, sitting, leaning, or propped up. You can turn on water in about everywhere you've got. And some of y'all's even got holes of water outside in the ground that you can go jump in if you wanted to. Or on top of the ground. Or little ones that you can move around. But the water from the Holy Spirit and the power of God on the inside of us is a mighty force. But it is nothing compared to when it starts to flow out of you. Do we go into all the world and preach the gospel, that we lay hands on the sick, that we speak with new tongues, right? When we cast out demons, that's when it it flows out of us. And I know you're thinking, I'm not going to do any of that. Well, then shame on you. You should be working on an opportunity to do that. But how about just share your testimony one time with your good friend, with your not-so-good friend, Hey, I don't know if you got somebody that's a really a pain in the butt at work. Maybe go explain it to them. Maybe they'll get saved and it'll change them. You ever thought about that? You ever thought about you have the solution to everybody's workplace problems? That if you would just go give them some Jesus, everybody would be better? <clears throat> I saw a joke the other day and it said, I hate it when the preacher talks about being friendly to unfriendly people and then everybody wants to stop and talk to me after church. (laughs) I'm just saying, if I were to do that today, would you be the guy that gets the most handshakes? I don't know. God's love has to flow through us. And as it does, we might go from a little trickle to a little bit bigger to a pretty good-sized stream to a bubbling brook, to a river, you never know. And I don't know why God put this in my brain years ago, and it always comes back up when I think about this right here. And it's the guy, Mordecai Ham. And I know y'all have heard me say his name more times than you care to remember. And you might not remember his name until I say it. But Mordecai Ham was an evangelist in eastern North Carolina. He never spoke to more than 30 or 40 people. Dirt floor churches, nothing, nothing. On the scheme of the world, he was not very influential, except for in his ministry, he led Billy Graham to Christ. We don't know who's downstream from us. If Mordecai Ham would have got disappointed because only 22 people showed up one night and pouted and walked back home or rode his mule or horse or I don't know how they traveled, but you you get it. If he'd have just got aggravated and fed up and you don't understand this ain't worth it to me anymore, I'm sure God would have found Billy Graham a different way, but his name would have been removed from the equation. It's like Ananias when he went to Saul, who becomes Paul, if he'd have said, Lord, you don't understand, that guy kills people. He kills Christians on purpose. What would have happened if he'd have stopped the flow right there? Here again, I think God would have found a way to get the rest of the New Testament out. But boy, can you imagine being in the conversation when you get to heaven and go, well, um, you know you were part of the plan and I'd set everything up to make this work out. And then you refused to do what I asked you to do. And it died with you. See, that's the part that bothers me the most. I want to hear, good, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear, boy, you missed so many opportunities, we can't hardly count them all. I mean, there are more people going to hell this week because of you than anybody we can come up with. I don't think God's really going to tell me that. But I'm just saying, you know what I mean I know I make it way too worldly to understand, but I want to be the pipe that's flowing. I want flow and more flow. I want it running down the aisle and out into the street. I want it down the street further than that. I want it to flow so much that Nikki Haley thinks the people in Jamestown should evacuate because she has no clue where Jamestown is. I want the flow to be so much that people are worried about driving past the front of the church that they might get some Jesus on them as they ride by. I want it to flow so much that people want to know, where do you go to church? Why do you think you have such a relationship with God? What makes you so special? Nothing. I am obedient to what God's word says, and I've done what he's asked me to do. What else is there to do? I want the word of God to flow through us and the power of God to flow through us. It becomes such a monsoon and a flood that people can't stand it. I won't be on the news I want, I want people to be on Facebook bashing us, talking about how that guy's crazy. Whatever it takes, I want God's word and his goal and his things accomplished. And I want us to be a part of it. I won't want us to be, well, man, that is sure a group of salty people. It is our personal choices that we make that determine our future. And we have all of the tools and all of the things that we need to successfully fulfill our obligation and who we are and who God called us to be. I can't make you do it. I mean, obviously, I can ask you to do it or harass you to do it. or I don't want to nag you to do it, right? But, and you can't do my stuff either. You can call me on the phone and tell me what you think I ought to be doing. You can talk about me behind my back and talk about what I should be doing. But you can't do what I'm supposed to do. My calling is different. Your calling, I can't do your calling. If I had to bake a cake and decorate it for somebody this afternoon, if my life depended on it, I would spend the rest of the afternoon praying because I'm going to heaven this afternoon because I don't possess that skill set. I can't fulfill your calling. I can't live your life. I can't walk your walk. I can't do anything. But I pray that I can prime the pump. That I can put the water there so when the spigot's turned on, it's going to do what it's supposed to do. Now, I don't want us to be fire hose Christians. Y'all ever stood in front of a fire hose or watched somebody stand in front of a fire hose? It's pretty funny. The guy holding the fire hose flops around on the ground a little bit. But the people who get hit with the fire hose, they scat down the road, right? That is not the flow that we're looking for. That is the equivalent of beating people about the head and neck area with a Bible. It is not that kind of pressure. It's the, man, I hadn't had anything to drink all day and this water hose tastes delicious flow that we're looking for. The appropriate amount that run down your face a little bit. For the flow to be where God wants us to be. Because look here. It doesn't do you any good to go blast people on Facebook or to go blast and talk bad about, well, I know you ain't nothing because you did this, this, and this. They already know. They don't, know, they don't need to know what they've done wrong. They already know what they've done wrong. The good news is, is that Jesus loves you and he wants you to be part of his family. The good news is is he died on the cross where you don't have to go to hell. The good news is is he sent the Holy Spirit for you to be a counselor for you, to be the power of God that lives on the inside of you. That's what we need to be pushing. That's what we need to share. Not thoughts and prayers. Not say, go and be well fed and give them no food. The, fl- the power of God is inside of us to live to our calling. If the pump is primed, when the opportunity comes, there will be water to flow. But I don't care how many spigots you turn on, if the pump ain't primed, there ain't nothing to come out. It don't even make funny noises. It don't do nothing. So I'm challenging you. Always, always challenging you. We have got to get in God's word and study God's word. We have got to be not not because not it makes you a better Christian, because it gives you opportunity to be where God wants you to be, because it gives you the information that you need. You don't know how many times the like somebody calls me and talks to me about something, and, and I'll bring up a scripture and they go, you know, I never thought of that. I don't know why. It's pretty in black and white. The thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And I've come that you have life and have it more abundantly. Really? Yeah, Jesus said it. Pretty easy. Once the pump is primed, the flow is easy. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity, for your word to go out. Father, we pray for that living water to continue to flow out of us. Father, to represent you in the best of our abilities. And we give you praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.